0: Where do they come from? Seems well, like that wraps up another edition of Masters of Deception. Brought to you from WCBN FMN, Arbor, in the basement of the lovely Student Activities Building. Once again, the website WCBN. O R G Slash M O D Masters of Deception is produced at the studios of WCDN, FMN Arbor. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, Alex Sergei, and not the the radio station or the regents of the University of Michigan, from whom we gratefully receive our license to broadcast. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Dwyer, wired, <laughs> Well, that's probably the reverb that Bush is hearing in his
1: brain. He's uh, been, I think, sucking on nitrous oxide all week. Yeah, I think so. And the peas are beginning to come loose and rattle around in his little shell head. He's... Uh, I don't know, his performance last
0: week was about as volatile as the stock market has been recently. Um, the man is uh, bordering on incoherent. And of course, following Carl Rove's exit, we get the exit of Alberto Gonzalez. As Ernie Harwell would say, he's long
1: gone. Well, before we get on to uh, Gonzalez, I quickly want to comment on Bush's speech again to a captive audience of VFW members and his comment uh, and his emphasis on language, which is interesting to me because that's you know, of great interest to us all if we listen and look carefully at language used or misused and uh, he said that uh, withdrawing from from iraq would be wrong because it would be like withdrawing from vietnam in which new words were added to our vocabulary words such as boat people and killing fields Really, the killing fields, as destructive and and mind-bogglingly devastating as they were, uh, had nothing to do with our withdrawal from Vietnam and everything to do with our bombing of Cambodia. Indeed. And so uh, he's... So Bush leaves out about 10 years of history. Right. Very conveniently.
0: Making his point. And uh, it's just remarkable um, how deluded the man is. Of course, he didn't know what was going on in Cambodia in 1969 and... Party down, dude! He was partying down in the National Guard. Drinking uh, Jack Daniel and... Wine Spodiote, Smoking Marlboros. And uh, his, uh, of course, uh, National Guard service consisted... Apparently about one year of training. One year of uh, pretty much outright AWOL, where he wasn't there for a physical. One year of uh, working on a senatorial campaign in Alabama... And one year where he showed up something like six times, uh, four of the times to get his teeth cleaned, and then two years of Harvard Business School. Um, So yeah, he was uh, out to lunch during the period of uh, 1969 to 1970. Incidentally, by the way, the sort of definitive work on Cambodia describing Mm. uh, the events that led to the... War that Kissinger and Nixon attempted to keep secret is best represented in the book Sideshow um, and subtitled "Kissinger Nixon and the Destruction of Cambodia by William Shawcross. Shawcross is a, a British fellow of some sort, and interestingly, by the way, he actually came out in support of the Iraq war this time around. <laughs> but uh, i would highly recommend this book this this book gives the essential chronology of how the cambodian war started and how america destabilized uh, prince sihanouk uh, dating back to his uh somewhat mercurial policy regarding uh cambodia during uh, the early years of the vietnam war he did pursue a policy of neutrality and at one time he uh actually gave or renounced American aid that was uh, given to him starting in the 1950s as part of the Allen Dulles, uh, John Foster Dulles, Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon foreign policy of those years. And it's a fascinating story. Uh, Of course, what ended up happening was he uh, was overthrown in a coup in 1970. And of course, the Uh, War protests in 1970, in the spring of 1970, led to Jackson State and Kent State that are sort of famously represented as 60s debacles uh, here at home in which uh, National Guard troops in various states uh, fired on anti-war protesters. But it's a remarkable book about the real policies of Kissinger and Nixon, what they were thinking, and the resemblance to what they were thinking and what Bush is thinking is remarkably spooky so there are some comparisons but I've always thought that Americans make a big mistake when they talk about the quote Vietnam War and don't understand that it really was several different kinds of wars Indeed, one was the aerial bombing of North Vietnam with uh, B-52s and fighter jets one was the insurgency going on in South Vietnam where we were propping up a, a government that uh was uh and and the idea that this th- there's comparisons to Iraq are false in the sense that Vietnam was attempting i mean the north vietnamese perspective on it was that vietnam never should have been divided right and that it really was a, a nation state that was that ho chi Minh was attempting to unify and it was the american government that was against this unification we were the ones that canceled the elections in 1956 that were prescribed by the Geneva Accords of 1954. And Iraq is a very different situation. Uh, to quote one expert on it, there is no Iraq there. Iraq is a figment of our imaginations. Es- essentially, it's a, it was cobbled together from the remnants of the Ottoman Empire by the British and French imperialists for a matter of British convenience in the 1920s right. and the reason that we've seen Iraq uh, fray into factionalism and of course there was plenty of factionalism in Vietnam but in, besides the wars that I just mentioned the two in Vietnam there was also Cambodia and there was Laos yep. and of course in these wars air power was used as the primary weapon of mass destruction and hundreds of thousands of people were killed uh Cianuk, while he had a mercurial foreign policy uh did have some semblance of uh being able to unify his country and uh when he was uh overthrown in a coup that uh the record is still um a little bit um shall we say not available on the precise involvement of America's involvement in the coup, but Lon Nol was put into power, and it was the Civil War of Cambodia that led to the uh, eventual Khmer Rouge, and ironically, it was the Vietnamese government that went into Cambodia, because the Khmer Rouge were... Uh,
1: massacring ethnic Vietnamese people that lived in Cambodia. So Bush's claim that uh, a U.S. absence uh, or withdrawal from Vietnam led to some sort of uh, Viet Cong slaughter um, is dubious on numerous counts because it was indeed, as you point out, the Vietnamese army post-U.S. involvement that went into Cambodia and and took out Pol Pot.
0: And of course there's some evidence that the United States was uh, supporting uh, vicariously Paul Pot, uh, ironically, which the Chinese were doing, and uh, the, the Cambodian War is much more complicated than Mr. Bush uh, suggested in his VFW uh, speech. Um, and speaking of mercurial uh, uh, policy, I mean, just the way Mr. Bush wavered, you know, one day he's denouncing Maliki, the next day he's calling him, what did he say, Uh, Maliki's a good guy, a good man with a difficult job, and I support him. This was on Tuesday of last week after on Monday he had
1: sort of criticized him. Doesn't look good for Maliki. Everybody, Levin, Clinton, uh, they're all saying, oh, Maliki, he's no good. He's no
0: good. And this, of course, is actually comparable to how the United States was propping up Mm DM between the period of 1955 to 1963 when he was assassinated in a coup, and America, of course, was confronted with ineffective, weak, and unstable Vietnamese, South Vietnamese
1: governments thereafter, and we were always propping them up, quote-unquote. Yeah, because there was not enough popular support on the ground, so really, uh, as you correctly point out, the Vietnamese War was a number of wars, because uh, it was an occupation in the South. It was an occupation in the South, and... Uh, the
0: the, insur- the our understanding of the insurgency was always uh poor. Uh one of the reasons that America went into Cambodia quote unquote was uh the intelligence by the CIA and uh military intelligence that suggested that there were quote sanctuaries in Cambodia in which the North Vietnamese were um, stationed and moving uh merchandise down the so-called Ho Chi Minh Trail. Um, At no time, uh, Shawcross makes quite clear in his book, did uh, Sunuk permit or acquiesce, is the actual word that's under debate, to B-52 bombings of Cambodia. Um, The slaughter uh, in in, uh, Southeast Asia, of course, is remarkable. It's been frequently pointed out, by the way, that we dropped more bombs in Southeast Asia than we did in all of World War II. And that gives you an idea of uh, what was really going on. But uh, let me uh, see if I can find these, uh, these uh, numbers here that are f- pretty interesting about how the uh, war was escalated by uh, Richard Nixon and uh, Henry Kissinger. Uh, Shawcross writes, and I'm just quoting a brief paragraph here, part of a paragraph. He said, when Lyndon Johnson decided to cut back on the bombing of North Vietnam, In November 1968, the Joint Chiefs of Staff reluctantly agreed after Secretary of Defense Clark Clifford assured them that the strikes could be directed against Laos. Uh, The statistics tell the story. In 1968, 172,000 sorties were flown against North Vietnam. These are bombing missions, by the way. Yeah. This is one plane dropping bombs. And, of course, B-52s could drop multiple bombs. (laughs) A couple seen, of tons worth, actually. Yeah, as we've seen, you know, very graphically, by the way, from the Herzog movie. Oh, yeah, the opening scenes of Rescue Don, uh, that's Air Force footage. Yeah, and that's about the story in Laos, incidentally, that was a secret war that went on there uh, between 1962 and 69. Uh, getting back to the statistics, the statistics, as Shawcross writes, tell a different story. In 1968, 172,000 sorties were flown against North Vietnam and 136,000 against Laos. In 1969, when Kissinger and Nixon took over, uh, the bombing halt reduced sorties against the North to 37,000. The attacks in Laos rose to 242,000. In January 1969, when Nixon and Kissinger arrived at the White House, there was a capacity to spare... There was capacity to spare for Cambodia. So this doesn't go into the details of what went on in Cambodia, but it's, it's a similar picture. Right. Uh, this, of course, is part of the Nixon-Kissinger policy of, quote, Vietnamization. And this policy is being repeated in, in Iraq. Mm-hmm. We will, quote, stand down as they stand up. Well, that hasn't happened yet. There's plenty of ample evidence that it may never happen. There's all sorts of various debates about the capability of the Iraqi troops that we're training. But, of course, just over the weekend, and I'm going to give Mr. Bush yet another brain damage award, because he keeps talking about al-Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, In fact, in his uh, VFW speech, he said, quote, a free Iraq is not going to transform the Middle East overnight, but a free Iraq will be a massive defeat for al-Qaeda. It will be an example That provides hope for millions throughout the Middle East. It will be a friend of the United States. And it's going to be an important ally in the ideological struggle for the 21st century. Prevailing in this struggle is essential for our future.
1: There's a whole lot of hogwash in that uh, series of utterances.
0: That is just a uh, paragraph of mass delusion. But just this weekend, we get another report. The fight of the the fight was evidence, and I'm quoting from a article that is actually entitled "An Air Attack: U.S. Soldiers Kill 18 Gunmen." So, of course, we're using air power to attack ground troops uh, once again, as we did in uh, Southeast Asia. Serena um, is I may be butchering, Sabrina, her last name there wrote, the fight was evidence of the changing nature of the war. The military says that 78% of the attacks against the United States are now carried out by Shiites, not Sunni militants, who had caused the vast majority of the violence in the early stages of the war. Well, so much for al-Qaeda in Iraq, Mr. Bush. I think you and Gonzo need to work on a memo to... uh, rectify the situation
1: well and you know there's a lot of one comparison that is valid uh, between the iraq war and the vietnamese war uh, or wars throughout southeast asia are the fact that uh, american troops are are not in a position to understand the language precisely And so you wonder the extent to which uh, a pile of dead bodies can be identified as shia Um, you know if you can talk to them and, and and ask them in their language uh what their religious uh, dispensation is, then, uh, then it's a clear matter, but uh, not easy to tell uh, when you're being shot at whether they are bullets from Shia or Sunni weapons. And uh, as far as Bush's statement that you just quoted is concerned, uh, of course he did say in the initial stages of the war that a free Iraq would transform the Middle East. He didn't say overnight, but the, the suggestion was pretty uh, clear that it would be free and easy. And that, of course, a, a free Iraq would be a friend to the United States. Well, it's conveniently forgotten that Saddam was once a friend mm-hmm. to the United States, a, a valuable asset. and uh, Which I've been reading
0: about all week. I've actually been reading a book about Web's, Web of Deceit, the uh, long-term <laughs> cozy relationship between the United yeah. States and Saddam Hussein and how he was actually foisted into power by the CIA yeah. and, uh, in 1963. But, I mean, to get a, a picture of Henry Kissinger's uh, thinking, quote-unquote, <laughs> it's always great to talk about Henry Kissinger and thinking. He's a serious man. I mean, he's got a Ph.D. Uh, the machinations of his strange lovey-in mind. <laughs> but it, it what's so similar to his thinking about Southeast Asia, um... <clears throat> Is, is this brief paragraph. And by the way, this uh, one chapter, The, the, the Problem, is, is highly recommended. Chapter 6 in the Shawcross book. Um, Kissinger knew that negotiations were inevitable, but he held, quote, withdrawal would be disastrous, unquote. A victory by a third-class communist peasant state over the United States would strengthen the most bellicose factions in the internecine communist struggle around the world and demoralize America's friends in Southeast Asia. And it might encourage Japan or India to move towards Moscow or or Beijing. Uh, They called it uh, Peking at the time. A a demonstration of America's impotence in Asia cannot fail to lessen the credibility. This is Kissinger's, uh, quoting from Kissinger's thinking, Uh, cannot fail to lessen the fighting in Vietnam, only for the Vietnamese. We are also fighting for ourselves and for our international stability, he wrote, in terms of uh, hardly different from the famous statement that year from Assistant Secretary of Defense John McNaughton, that, quote, the present U.S. objective in Vietnam is to avoid humiliation, unquote, and at risk was not a friend, Vietnam, But above all, our reputation as a guarantor, this thinking that's going on in the amongst the best and the brightest of the American government back in the mid to late 60s is just exactly comparable to today. It's this delusional thinking. Right. We're in a global struggle. If we don't fight them over there, we're going to
1: have to fight them over here. Well, and the sexual metaphor is troubling too to talk about the impotence of the United States when the position at the time was we were, if you want to take this sexual metaphor further, pounding them really good. We're that's pounding right. their ass and uh, with bomb after bomb after bomb. But there's a point at which wars become unwinnable regardless of how much firepower you have. Exactly. Because the people who live there, that's their home. And this doesn't factor into the equation then or today. The thinking behind our prestige is at fault. People are going to think we are impotent if we do not win this war. Um, that's murderous and uh, clearly criminal because it's a war that's not being fought for defensive purposes. It's it's a war about uh, delusional thought.
0: And how amazing that Bush last week would talk about Malachi in terms of well, you know, he's not going to be removed by, by us or outsiders. He's going to be removed by the Iraqi people. You know, he goes into this little foray into democracy. And and, and I was thinking, well, that's exactly what, what's happening at home. Yeah. In other words, let's remove Bush. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly keep Gonzalez if Bush <laughs> just withdraws and, and goes back to Crawford. I mean, right. this man is... He's dangerous. His thinking is dangerous. His delusions are dangerous. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible. And needless to say, we're going to hear more of this Kissinger-esque thinking over the next month when we get the uh, so-called Petraeus report that's going to be written by the White House. And we're going to be told once again that we need to stay the course. The Vietnam comparison that Bush gave in this VFW speech is just absolutely remarkable because it's it's the— biggest political blunder i think he's made in quite a while i mean it brings back issues about his national guard service it was the critics of the of the war in iraq and in 2002 and 2003 that were comparing what we were about to do to vietnam right and they were rejecting this it's remarkable stuff and uh all you can say is unfortunately the The killing continues, and uh, they may not be killing fields in Iraq, but uh, there is certainly chaos, and uh, what America thinks it's going to win, quote-unquote, is uh, a problem in and of itself, because it gets back to this issue of democracy. If Mm -hmm. If we're trying to pursue democracy in the, quote, Middle East, why are we so quiet about the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia? Egypt, Jordan, Pakistan, all of our friends. (laughs) Right. Where's the push for democracy in any of those countries? We're not there to pursue democracy. We are there because of power issues, oil, military basing issues. And I think that Karl Rove had a mad theory back in 2003 as Bush's approval ratings were starting to decline that a quick, easy war in Iraq would bolster the president's reelection. And it did for a while. His approval ratings went up.
1: But very briefly. And it's been a steady decline ever since.
0: And, of course, I saw a brilliant cartoon. shows Bush in front of the uh, aircraft carrier with the slogan, Vietnam Accomplished. <laughs> Which sums it up perfectly. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, I mean, this speech is bad history, and it's uh, very questionable politics to boot.
1: Indeed. Well, the. But uh, verdict- well, luckily,
0: we have Albert Gonzalez right. on the job. He's uh, proud to, quote,
1: serve the American people. And that's what he said today in his. Uh- By undermining the Constitution he swore to uphold, strangely enough. And uh, some commentators on NPR were heard this afternoon to observe that, in retrospect, maybe Albert Gonzalez just wasn't that smart. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, wow. uh Heck of a job, Alberto. Heck of a job, Gonzi. I don't want to call him Gonzo, as some do, because that's a venerated term for me that invokes Hunter S. Thompson, a man of integrity and uh, intelligence. Uh, right? But uh, Alberto Gonzalez, you know, if the the good people at NPR uh, were... We're paying attention back when Alberto Gonzalez said that the conditions, and I'm paraphrasing here, the conditions being faced by the United States today in this war on terror rendered the Geneva Convention quaint. Yeah, That's one of the most criminally insane and moronic things I've ever heard come out of an administration figure uh, in memory out of Washington. The Geneva Conventions rendered quaint? What's he talking about? World War II did not render the Geneva Conventions quaint. That was quite a skirmish skirmish there, World War II, and yet the Geneva Conventions were upheld throughout that time period.
0: Yeah, and I've always been troubled by the phrase unlawful enemy combatant because if, you, if the United States can designate people as such, why can't other countries label right. the American military that's in Iraq in Afghanistan, as un- and possibly going into Pakistan, uh, who knows what will happen there? There's all sorts of uh, dark clouds on the horizon there. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Gonzalez is at the heart of the torture memos, the uh, Abu Ghraib, uh, Guantanamo Bay, unlo- unlawful enemy combatants, the rendering political of, uh, mischief, yeah. CIA rendering uh, prisoners to be tortured in Poland and Romania among other places. The
1: bizarre bedside uh, (laughs) visit to Ashcroft?
0: Yeah, and of course, Gonzales, the two attorneys general that he resembles the most are are John Mitchell and Mm. Ed Meese. These were the same sorts of political apparatchiks that were put in charge of the American Justice Department, which, uh, as we all know, for quite some time, really, most of the 20th century, really was pretty much of an oxymoron. There wasn't a lot of justice being dispensed. it was a lot of uh, questionable justice. But these were political people. Their right. their main goal is to be loyal to the president and, and damage control. Yeah, in both cases, damage control and and um, you know covering up things and obstructing investigations and you know keeping the the president uh, with that famous famous concept of plausible deniability. It's uh, remarkable stuff, and as for uh, Alberto Gonzalez, he's just one more example of the incredible oh line, long, long line of political loyalists that have that are essentially incompetent, that mm-hmm. have been put into power in the American government that uh, has has beleaguered the Bush administration from the beginning of time. <laughs> it's remarkable stuff. Uh, Was he ever qualified to be Attorney General? Of course not. Is he a nice guy? Well, he probably is a nice guy, but do we really want nice guys running the Justice Department? I don't know. I think we want competent people that understand the rule of law and understand that the Attorney General actually is supposed to serve the American people, not the President.
1: Yeah, the Bush administration seems to have such a fond notion of executive privilege that they've invoked Nixon's famous utterance to David Frost that when the president does it, it's not illegal. That's right. But that is, in fact, not true. (laughs) The laws apply to all uh, regular citizens as well as elected officials.
0: And, of course, the Shawcross book goes into uh, falsification of records that Kissinger and Nixon were involved in and the Cambodian uh, disaster. And uh, I would recommend that George Bush uh, read some more credible uh, accounts of the Vietnam War, because if he believes for one second that we lost because we
1: we quit, I think that's the word he's—, he's Yeah, we're— we're not quitters around well, here. that's the standard conservative uh, explanation of Vietnam is we lost because we quit, because we were weak, because of hippies and protesters. Yeah. We were there for 30 years and uh, accomplished
0: nothing. A lot dist- of damage. Destroyed. Yeah. Millions of people's lives and uh, at an incredible expense. Uh, this is continuing in Iraq today.
1: Looks like we're just about out of time. Uh, stay tuned for Yazoo City Calling coming up next. Right here on WCBN-FM Ann
0: Arbor. We'd like to thank Alex Sergey for engineering this evening. And, of course, we'll talk more about these uh, political developments next week and also propaganda and how it continues to cloud the minds and hearts of the American people. Stay tuned. Surprise, surprise. WCBN. Yeah, man am non-stop alternative radio network. So good. No, I go right I'll the you, what's gonna be happening? Ain't nothing
1: gonna be happy We are now. the ones that have been waking up the world. You don't want me to go to sleep.
0: Pull the plug out of you and you'll be dead. I got a computer at home that's mean oh, that was invented back in 1930-something. You know, the piano roll? You scared that? How? It's how? How? sunburned hand of the man. Sunday, September 2nd, 2007, WCBN and the University of Michigan Museum of Art present sunburned hand of the man, odd clouds and graveyards at the neutral zone B-side, 310 East Washington, all ages, totally free psychedelic collective sundering hand of the man has been at the forefront of boston massachusetts underground and experimental music scene for the past 10 years opening acts include odd clouds of detroit michigan featuring members of Cat museum slither and sick llama and also graveyards featuring john olson of wolf eyes and of course wcbn will be
1: on hand to tell you everything you need to know about becoming a dj at ann arbor's only truly independent radio station 88.3 fm Sunburned Hand of the Man, Odd Clouds, and Graveyards. Doors at 7. Admission is free. For more information, check
0: WCBN.org.